Welcome to Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host, Jason Demland, and I am joined as always and in the future by my good friend and fellow money muddler, Caleb Frankert. Jason, can a podcast about finance be entertaining? Not without alcohol. Well, all right, let's mix it up. What you looking for? I was caught, but I am free. Looked like you were looking for your cocktail, but there it is. No, no, I was stuck in a mangle of Cabell's. Yeah. (laughs) Do you remember? I do. The Cabell's box. The Cabell's box. box. We played in a rock and roll band, for those that may not know, when we were in our high school days. I used to be cool. And uh, uh, we had sound guys that were awesome, maybe listening. Um, Not the greatest spellers in the world. (laughs) Uh, So a box for the cables was labeled Cabell's, and that's what we called it. And every time I see microphone cables... Quarter inch cables. Mm-hmm. They're Cabells. Yeah. And we let them know too because, well, maybe this is why we never made it anywhere. <laughs> we were uh, more concerned about grammar and spelling than the average rock band. <laughs> <laughs> that leads me to another interesting anecdote. I was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, by the way, in one of my other bands. They let you into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for free if you give them a recording. Mm hmm. So we were playing a few shows around Cleveland area. We decided to stop there, gave them our demo, and they let us all in. And it was awesome. I saw the original lyrics for Aerosmith's Walk This Way. Mm-hmm. Steven Tyler, very famous musician, he was really bad at spelling. Oh, uh, yeah. It was embarrassingly bad grammar. <laughs> and Walk This Way isn't like a, I wouldn't say it's a high-level poem. No. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but boy, he could not spell. And that's probably why we didn't make it. Because we're too good at spelling. Well, we're too preoccupied with it. It, yeah. it probably it bothered you. dampens our creativity. Yeah, it killed the creative spirit. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. So um, we're back. <laughs> yeah. I this mean, is coming out after Thanksgiving, so it's yeah. weird. We're recording right before Thanksgiving, but this will be airing after thanksgiving so i hope you had a nice thanksgiving jason uh, yeah uh, as well as i our hope listeners. i did also <laughs> I, I hope that it was a good time with family and we were grateful yes and now that thanksgiving is over we can put an end to that yeah no more gratitude back to drinking time to air some grievances <laughs> well festivus is coming up <laughs> i'm gonna get the pole out of the crawl space <laughs> i think we've got it i think we got a good show today it will be fraught with controversy mm. uh, because today we're going to talk about credit cards the bane Ooh. or the boon credit cards of finance for it or again it we will soon find out <laughs> after this commercial break from american express <laughs> i wish oh, just i bet kidding. they pay a lot yeah maybe i would change my point of view <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll get into it. There's some nuance, I think, to be had in the discussion about credit cards. Uh, some people are in extremely firm, and some folks are extremely... <laughs> Super again them. Way again them. <laughs> so uh, we'll talk about them, and hopefully not alienate any of you out there. But we're drinking a drink before we talk about credit cards, Caleb, to yeah. grease the rails, to, to lubricate our linguistic finance voice boxes. I, I thought you were going our, full alliteration there I couldn't for a think of bit, another but... L word. If maybe we scripted this better, I could have. Yeah. Well, I I don't like it to be scripted though because it no. sounds scripted when we script it. That's Sometimes the, it sounds scripted when we don't script it. So yes, it does sound like that. <laughs> so this drink also comes with a little bit of controversy, doesn't it, Jason? I, all the good ones do, Caleb. I want to hear about it. We are drinking the Martinez today. This one has been around for quite some time. 
If you have been listening to us for quite some time, going back to the second episode that we ever did, I'm not suggesting that you go back and listen to it because I repeated myself quite a bit in that episode. I had a, a couple of martinis in me, and we talked about the predecessor to the martini, the Martinez, and some of the mm-hmm. controversy around that. So here, 30-some episodes later, we're actually going to dive into the Martinez itself. Back to the Martinez with, with probably less James Bond talk than we had in our second episode. I think that's going to be it right there. So, <laughs> message received. What are we drinking today? So the recipe that we use here today is one and a half ounces of gin. One and a half ounces of sweet vermouth, a quarter ounce of Luxardo maraschino liqueur. <laughs> Did you like that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Two dashes of orange bitters, and we're going to garnish that with a lemon twist. Jason, what do you think of this? I'll, I'll be blunt. I did not like it at first. Mm. The more I drink it, the more I come to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. It is not as boozy as a lot of the other drinks that we have had. There's a lot of vermouth in there mm-hmm. compared to the base spirit of gin. There is that maraschino liqueur. How'd you say liqueur? Liqueur? Liqueur. Liqueur? Liqueur. liqueur. Uh, I don't know. It comes through quite a bit, and it's tasty, mm-hmm. but it's really complicated. It tastes like a lot of different things, and so does the vermouth, because we use Carpano Antica vermouth, which is a pretty complex vermouth. Yep. And we use Tanqueray gin. I mean, yeah, so some of these elements, these we're very, flavors. very used to drinking in other drinks. Very familiar with Tanqueray Gin. Yeah. Um, that's my go-to for it's martinis. Not, and it's not anything. I wouldn't call it complex, no. but it's a good gin. Yeah. Now, the uh, vermouth, the Carpano Antica, that's a fantastic vermouth. So, Wonderful. you know, generally, the you put great ingredients together and you're going to get a great drink. I've had a bit of a cold over the past few days, and I've been uh, using cough drops. So, I don't know if that's affecting this, but I'm getting a little bit of a medicinal taste here too, Jason. I wonder uh, if you, that's the maraschino liqueur. Well, that's okay. So there was another episode where we used this. I, you know, I think gin a, is medicine though. Yeah. Well, it fights off the scurvy, right? No, no, that was rum. Gin fights malaria. Malaria. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> eh, anyway. The thing that, that fought off scurvy? Go back Lime to, juice. uh, was that the HSA episode? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Atomic See, I remember, I remember drinks by For episode. retirement ales. Yeah. Anyway, the Luxardo liqueur, we couldn't find this, so we substituted this with a maraschino liqueur once, Mm -hmm. and then we got the real thing, and they're completely different. They're just totally different drinks. I think that tasted like a cherry-flavored liqueur, whereas this has way more going on, and and it does have a little bit of that medicinal, maybe just slightly uh, licorice-y kind of taste to it. Yeah, maybe a little. Are you getting that a little? Yeah, a little bit. I think that is kind of, all of those things are playing together, which is why I didn't like it at first. And it's a lot like a Negroni or a Campari-based drink where like I have it and I'm like, this feels like it might be cleaning my mouth. Okay. But the more I drink it, the more I'm starting to think, oh, there are tastes in there I really appreciate. And anybody out there that started drinking you know, something that's really bitter, maybe they, they were used to Mountain Dew their whole life and they started trying <laughs> to appreciate coffee and getting into coffee. And then uh, with me, it was that took a long time. Honestly, I got the same kind of like the a little bit of that Campari flavor. I thought it was because of the cough drop I had before I came in here like, ooh, something's not mixing right. And it's even a little bit numbing to the back of my throat. And you just mentioned how, how it feels like it's coating your mouth. Yeah. It, that's got to be the Luxardo. I think and, that's the Luxardo maraschino liqueur. See, I didn't notice that as much in the other cocktail. I think it was maybe the brandy cocktail. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's because we only used a little or what, but I don't know. It's a unique taste. I tell you what, it looks beautiful in the glass. It's pretty. It's nice and dark brownish, ambery, caramely colored. It looks handsome and smart inside this cocktail glass. Oh, yeah. We say smart now. Yeah. It definitely is a smart looking drink. Uh, a lot like those Campari based drinks because yeah. that just makes a beautiful looking drink. And then it really tastes does. Not like heavy bourbon. And that's, I think, or dark rum. It doesn't taste like that because it's no. a gin cocktail, but well, I recommend the, trying it. Yeah, adding to the color is we're using so much more of the sweet vermouth than we normally would in, let's say, a Manhattan or something like that. And that's really, I guess, what I was expecting going into this is it's kind of like a gin Manhattan, right? Yeah, what, what was the other drink? We did a gin with a sweet vermouth before, didn't we? And um, I did not like that it either. It was a Brooklyn. Or was it one of the other versions of a Manhattan? No, that was a man. That was... Uh, the Toronto? Was it the Long Island? No, definitely not. <laughs> uh, no, the Brooklyn was uh, whiskey and dry vermouth. Ah, yeah, that's right. Dry vermouth and with whiskey. That's not as great. I don't think sweet vermouth with gin is as great. <laughs> Those two should stay in their own categories. Yeah, you get sweet vermouth with a whiskey and you do dry vermouth with a, with a gin and... Yeah. I think that's the the premium way to go, but it is fun to experiment and you kind know, of have some crossover. That's a good point because a classic dry martini is one of my favorite drinks, and you know the Manhattan is my favorite drink. But when you start crossing over ingredients and plugging and playing, I don't, I'm not a real big fan of what comes out of that. We're getting fun and whimsical and weird, and uh, a Martinez kind of fits into that category, but it was semi-popular back it's, in the it's, day. Uh, well, this supposedly was around before the Martini, if you remember. Yeah. Um, well, let's get into some of that, yeah. uh, some of the controversy, as you say, Yeah. Uh, the history <laughs> regarding the uh, Martinez. So we've taken a little bit of a break from the classic cocktails. Lately, we've done some more fall-based or holiday sort of themed cocktails, and now we're going way, way back to the 1800s, Jason. What did you Let's find on the history? Time. <laughs> uh, not a lot. I, I consulted David Wondrich, who mm-hmm. talks about the Martinez only briefly. He says it is spoken of in some very old influential cocktail books and then almost nowhere else. He said it's really impossible to corroborate the story. The only person that could corroborate it was an infant at the time of inception of the Martinez and said that there was gold people gold, mm-hmm. people searching for gold in California in the 1860s. And he just didn't give it a whole lot of credence that the Martinez history was easy to corroborate or prove yeah the idea of the 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 martini episode we went back to the gold rush right Mm -hmm. and somebody hit it big went into a bar ordered martinez and said now wait a minute let's switch it up yeah i'm rich let's throw the dry we'll throw the dry vermouth in there with it and give me lemon and whatever the martinez is something that just seems like it's always been there but nobody really knows exactly what it was i'm surprised like any of the other drinks we haven't found out from our wisconsin friends that nope that started with brandy like everything else (laughs) i'm sure it did (laughs) maybe it did but yeah i I guess as far as far as origins you know there was a guy slinging cocktails around back in the 1800s named jerry thomas that that you know he comes up quite a bit whenever you search the history of the martinez one source that I, i looked into difford's guide which has a lot of cool history on cocktails said you know what a lot of people credit this drink to jerry thomas but i say nay the reason being jerry was apparently a pretty flamboyant guy and was not shy about his creations they said he didn't claim this one loud enough so it probably wasn't jerry yeah, Jerry is the god known as the godfather of modern bartending. Mm-hmm. Dr. Jerry. <laughs> Dr. Jerry Thomas. The Blue Blazer is his signature drink. I think, I think he's created a few other ones. Let's, let's revisit that at a point. We should, but I th- you make a Blue Blazer by lighting whiskey on fire. I'm for it. And passing it back between two mixing glasses, creating an arc of flame. 
Yeah, we need to do that for sure. Yeah, I don't know. When we get the video podcast going, (laughs) that should be the first one. (laughs) Yeah, man, we've just overshadowed the Martinez big time by bringing that up. Well, okay. So the Martinez is interesting. If you're in a rut, I guess, if you're kind of... It's fun. And you got gin and sweet vermouth, you ran out of whiskey? You know, I I go home and and if I'm going to make a drink, like I said before, it's either a Manhattan or a a martini nine times out of ten. I guess if you're, you're like me, you know, maybe throw this... I guess change up into the rotation a little bit. It's probably not going to be a mainstay, would be my guess. But yeah, it's something to keep you on your toes. Maybe, and this is how I think our taste develops too over time, right? By trying different, by things. trying different things, and yeah, maybe that's how we train our palates to be a little bit more discerning. Okay, all right, all right. Well, <laughs> cheers to that, man. Hey, so that's it on the Martinez. I'm not going to throw it out. I'll keep drinking it, but um, might be a while before I revisit this one. Yeah. All right. Now that we've lubricated our lyrical larynxes, that was a lot better that time. (laughs) Let's move on, Caleb. We're going to talk about finance. Today we're talking about credit cards. Ooh, credit cards. Do you feel strongly about credit cards one way or the other? I really do. Most of it is based (laughs) almost entirely on my personal experience with them. Yeah. My own mistakes. With credit cards, we come across varying opinions. There are some people who are so disciplined uh, that they have made using credit cards uh, a key feature of their financial lives. Nobody says it's what's made them rich. No. Nobody says it's like, oh, I figured out how to hack credit cards and that's why I'm so successful. But they have used it as as a way to get ahead, get a little bonus. They've gamified it some. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know there are people that have never paid a dime of interest to a credit card company or, or a, yeah. a fee of any sort. Good on them. Far more often, there are the people on the losing end of that transaction with a credit card company because they are borrowing money at a huge interest rate. They are using it to pay for things they can't afford normally. They're using it as an emergency fund, that sort of thing, and then getting into huge trouble with it. Uh, I was more on that end of the spectrum. Now, I've told people before that I had a $2,000 balance on a Citibank card that was, I think, just McDonald's. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... Th- uh, it was from being in rock bands. You know, I didn't have a very good yeah. income back then. What, what episode was <laughs> it when we talked? It might have been the first episode when we talked about not wanting to pay for your cheeseburgers and skinny jeans <laughs> 10 years down the road. Yeah, that's what we were referencing. <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, personally, I'm against them. That's my bias coming at this. I know that they are not evil in and of themselves. I think maybe the companies that are selling them might be. Yeah. Uh, but but what do you think about credit cards, Caleb? Where are you coming at? From well, I, I have to piggyback what you just said. You know my son, Titus. I'm always on my toes around him. <laughs> he says things that crack me up all the time. Titus likes money. Uh, he <laughs> likes whenever he gets money for Christmas or his birthday. I might have shared on the podcast uh, that one time I remember hearing him up at night when he should have been sleeping. And when I went up to his room to check out what was going on, he had his money out on the bed and he was counting it. Yes. He likes his money. Scrooge McDuck style. He wanted <laughs> yes. to sleep in his money. So he's very... When he gets money and, and he wants to buy something, he's very calculated about how much he spends. He likes to help bargain shop like, oh, I, I like this name brand toy, but I like this one that's half the price. And, you know, I still get kind of the same thing. And then I get to keep some of my money. So it, it's it's hilarious because, you know, football season is back and the Capital One commercials are going like crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they their slogan is what's in your wallet. And he says, evil, evil. And I said, what? He goes, they want to know what's in my wallet. That's evil, Dad. That's evil. And I said, all right, I don't think you understand what they're what they're saying. But no, you're you're right. I think it's probably evil. <laughs> I think that's a Dave Ramsey thing. What's in your wallet? Money. 
so my thoughts are, well, you and I both grew up in banking, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, before we did uh, high finance, we, <laughs> we did low finance. <laughs> yes, we did. You know, we opened up bank accounts. We signed people up for credit cards and different kinds of loans. And all. we've done all of it when it comes mm-hmm. to banking. Banking is, this is one of those uh, areas that I agree with Dave. Sometimes they're, they're the lower life forms. They're really good at making money. They are. So. And, and so they're geniuses at it. This is the way that I, and, and I think you and I both, it's not like, you know, we had an aha moment and our convictions entirely changed. We never really liked debt. We never really liked credit cards, but you could see the good in them in some cases Yeah, where you could, you could work it into some, you're trying to help somebody get out of debt, whatever you could see maybe using this as a way to get out, but it's, it's really dangerous. That's the thing. Is there a use to credit cards? Can they be helpful? Yes. But does the risk I guess does the risk that they they present uh, to your financial peace uh, is that worth? I, I guess the utilitarian side of it is it worth what they can provide? Yeah, I once a described point? a credit card as a nice knife. You can use it to whittle a stick. You can use it to cut yourself a nice steak. You can stab yourself right in the heart with it. That's really good. <laughs> and um, too many people cut themselves with their with their credit cards. And it really so. The idea is that the credit card companies, these banks, they know that most people are going to turn they're going to turn around and trip over it and stab themselves in the eye yeah. with it. They're running right? with their proverbial scissors that yeah. is their credit card. And that's how <laughs> they make so much money. Because for every guy that you have that's racking up the airline miles and the credit cards are paying him, I say in air quotes, paying him, mm-hmm. um, you've got how many other people that it's just adding to their stress level, adding to their financial ruin. And that's how these companies make money. So I guess if everybody used them to cash in on rewards points and never pay fees or interest, we wouldn't have credit card companies. That's true. You got you to be using them somewhat. Somebody's using them. So that's kind of, a, I guess, a good lead in. We have a couple of points here as far as uh, some of the misconceptions or some of the reasons, really, that people use credit cards. Yeah. And some of them are viable reasons, but be careful. So the first one, Jason, is... Credit cards give me rewards. You can get points. Some people get uh, percent What's the point? paid off their... Yeah, it's a made-up... We up. spend a lot of our life worrying about points, I'm telling you, they, points, game, they gamify it. So you get points. You get money. It can turn into money. Some some credit cards uh, get applied towards people's mortgages. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people get cash back. You get airline miles. Some people really get enamored by, I'm going to spend money anyway. I might as well get rewarded for it. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of credit cards have, have started offering rewards that seem really attractive, Caleb. And I know people that have come out ahead on these yeah. transactions. We were saying before the show, nobody's nobody's gotten rich or says say say they've gotten rich. Yeah, the secret to my financial success yeah. is you're not going to pull is, a millionaire, right? And is, he's going to say, ah, credit cards, airline miles. That's how <laughs> I made my fortune. Yeah. Um, but you know these these rewards that people are these companies throw in have really attracted a lot of folks, Caleb. Why are credit card companies doing that? Well, because kind of going back to what I just said, they know for every Joe that is that they're going to pay out these points to, there's five or 10 more that are going to turn around and pay them 20% interest instead. Yeah. And we'll go back to our compounding episode. If that's that's you paying the credit card company compound interest, mm-hmm. if you carry a balance or if you miss, miss a payment, they're already making money off transaction fees. Right, so right. They, they like that you're using their credit card. They're already making money on you and the vendors. 
if you're just using the card. This is like a cherry on top if they can charge you extra inter- interest. Yeah, and interest on late fees. So yeah, they're and... just, they're attracting all sorts of people. It's the law of lord, large numbers really for them. The right. more people they have using their cards, the more chance they have that you're going to kind of mess up. I, I almost lump it into, you know, the reason that credit cards can give rewards is the same reason that life insurance companies can pay death benefits. Yeah. Yeah. It's the law of large numbers. Exactly. They can um, predict they what they know for, for every person that, again, air quotes, beats the insurance company, mm-hmm. they have some schmuck, you and I, right, who are paying premiums religiously and don't die. Though I would say the insurance model is based on less dirty uh, <laughs> of math than the banks and their credit cards mostly because they're luring you in uh, cr- think about credit cards you it's just math said, nonetheless you just you just saw a commercial insurance companies don't really need to advertise nearly as much you're gonna die uh, people do like transferring risk for life insurance i think is a good thing i well, think paying for whole life is we've never told someone uh you need a credit card exactly but so i mean as a result you see them advertised like crazy your yeah. son knows the slogan for capital one <laughs> exactly uh, they market like crazy. They are good at what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the part part of the reason they're giving rewards is to sell you on mm-hmm. using their card. And you know, if you can take advantage of them, good on you. But most of you cannot. Otherwise, they wouldn't be offering them. Exactly. Plain so and simple. I, I don't want people to delude themselves into thinking they are they are winning because they might not not be. You pay you pay one interest like you if pay one if you miss one dollar of payment in a in a credit card cycle. They will probably bill you twenty percent interest on the in, the max balance that you had that quarter. They're not dumb. Yeah, that's how. Read the fine print. So you may pay several hundreds of dollars in interest right there and negate most of the reward you're getting. Well, and I think that you look at some maybe some ways that you try to get out of credit card debt, or you try to you know even if you're if you're trying to do the right things, right? Balance transfers. Oh, well, they've got zero percent and all that. Yes, that can be a tool that you can use. However. Zero percent for twelve months. That just tells me most people don't pay off their balance transfer in twelve months. And guess what? When twelve months goes by, the credit card company will bill you. Oh yeah. At the higher interest rate. Retroactive. Retroactively going back. So you're you you didn't miss out on it. I've heard people say, yeah, well at least I didn't pay credit card interest for those twelve months. Well, no, you will. <laughs> yeah, but you just delayed it. Yeah, you delayed it, and you get and and basically you get to com- continue paying that compounded interest on top of that number, which is already compounded retroactively. It's a bad deal. When it, when we're talking about credit cards, you have to do everything just right. Yeah, you really have to know it. That's why I'm going to keep saying credit card companies are really smart. Yeah. And you have to be smarter than them to win. So is it impossible for you to make money using credit cards and get rewards? No. No. I have to admit that we have one credit card that we still use that we get great rewards How for. How dare you? <laughs> Easy Greta. <laughs> oh, that was great. Thank, <laughs> thank you for that. I needed that. <laughs> We have one that we use. I don't feel great about it, but I kind of keep it around for the next reason. So, Jason, tear me apart here. The second reason that people might use credit cards, and maybe it's more altruistic, is credit cards are safer? No, they're not. Your debit <laughs> card is just as safe. It says MasterCard or Visa on it. Boom. Okay. So, what I'm talking about as far as safer really actually could be part of one of our later points here. If you've ever had any kind of uh, breach or you've had an erroneous charge on your credit card, the nice thing about it is I go, I'm not going to pay this. Yeah. Right? You file the dispute, the credit card researches or the, you know, your bank researches and finds out, nope, you didn't make that. Uh, you don't pay. All right. Whereas my debit card, 
I'm missing some money in the, the in the the meantime, right? Mm-hmm. I, and now I think most banks are pretty good about putting like provisional credit in your accounts and things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, usually. Yeah. Usually. But I guess the idea there is that uh, my checking account's tied to my debit card. My credit card is tied to this line of credit that if it's erroneous, I just don't pay. I'm guilty as charged. This is one of the reasons that I've used credit cards. I've over seen it. And that's tied a lot more to a, one of our other reasons we want to talk about. So we can just tie that in and that credit cards are more convenient and they really are. And actually, that's part of the danger. Yeah. But they're a lot more convenient in cases of fraud. MasterCard, Visa, American Express, Discover, they're all pretty good to deal with mm-hmm. with fraud. Uh, because they deal with it a lot. And again, it's baked in. That's cost of doing business. Yeah, they've got that in there already. So they, they don't hunt down the bad guys. <laughs> it is a lot better than when when you have cash in your bank account messed up. Now, now you're right. Most banks will, while they're researching the fraud, uh, they will reinstate them, like give you the money back while they research yeah, it, usually. And, and, and the idea is, well, you don't want them researching something while your mortgage is about to be paid and you're out the money and it could end up in yeah. overdrafts and all that other kind of stuff that's involved. There are some valid reasons, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, convenience is a big one. That's that's where convenience can work in your favor. Do you want to just jump into a, where convenience yeah, can work against you? Yeah, inconvenience. We'll go right into there because here's the actual best reason to have a credit card, and it's if you need to rent a car or you need to get a hotel. Yeah. Not every place will Booking, take a yeah, debit card. A trip, yeah. Most of the time, a debit card will go through if it's you know if it's backed by a major credit card company. But sometimes it doesn't. And that is a huge pain in the butt. So yeah. if you want to be this noble non-credit card person, if it makes life harder. So you can take a stand and not pay the banks anything and not use credit cards, but sometimes it's going to make life a pain in the butt. So you just got to be ready for that. And if this is the only reason you have a credit card, I totally get it. And you pay it off as soon as you swipe it. Good for you. You're basically yeah. you're basically treating it like it's a debit card in cash. This is that's where it's actually and, and yippee, you'll get some rewards for it probably too. <laughs> yeah, barely any, unless you're staying in a lot of hotels and renting a lot of cars. Yeah, but that shouldn't be a primary reason for why you're swiping. Right. Um, that That's a big one. You know, talking about these kinds of purchases when you, well, even getting gas sometimes, right? When you make a gas purchase or a ho- you book a hotel room or, mm-hmm. you know, an Airbnb or, or something like that, generally they're holding a bigger number than what they're actually going to charge because there's incidentals involved, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you could steal. You could wreck the car. <laughs> you could trash your hotel room because you're yeah. partying like a rock star. Um, all those kinds of things. So sometimes using a debit card might not be an option, I guess. Yeah. Depending on how tight you're on in your finances, that's that's a big part of it. Yeah, uh, which is a whole nother like that goes into this convenience issue. I know a lot of people use credit cards because of the the freeze on extra money. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have the cash for that. You should have the cash for that yeah. if you're spending it. A lot of people use a credit card as an emergency fund. Like, yeah. you know, this is just for an emergency mm-hmm. and I, I don't want to get rid of it. At least I have it. I get that. But that that, that calls makes, out a larger issue. Yeah. In my opinion, that makes an emergency an emergency a lot more likely to happen <laughs> or yeah, a, Murphy's law. a quote unquote emergency. Well, what it does usually is compounds the emergency because not only now you've had a medical emergency or a car emergency. Now you have a financial emergency as well, because now you have to pay that back at 24 percent interest or pay it back within a month. Well, so that you don't pay the interest. You're talking about an actual emergency. I guess what I was trying to get at was um, your willingness to call something an emergency. Oh, yeah. You know, because, you know, you have it there. It's easy to swipe yeah, it. Got I'm going to get the rewards points anyway. It's OK. I'll pay it. Off. I'll, I'll buckle down over the next few months. It's it's kind of part of that whole I'll I'll, I'll earn my stupidity later. <laughs> yeah, that, right? that kind of goes into the uh, the feel of using a credit card. You may have heard this before. Uh, it's easier to spend money on a credit card than it is to spend money with cash or a debit card because yeah. it's not 
real. Uh, you're delaying the pain of spending the money. You've we, got some statistics here, right? Yeah, I got a little ones. These these are some really famous stats. Um, the, the Journal of Applied Psychology found diners tipped on average 4.3% more just by seeing a credit card logo on the tray that holds their restaurant bill. Hmm. McDonald's famously reported that its average ticket was $7 when people use credit cards versus $4.50 when people paid cash. Um, that one has been used a lot by a lot yeah. of different people in research because it's McDonald's, man. Everybody has been there. A billion That's served. like the best statistic uh, aggregator that there is out there. Yeah, you, you ever uh, notice? It's like what Jim Gaffigan said, right? That nobody claims to go to McDonald's, yet yeah. somehow a billion served. Don't act like you don't eat McDonald's. Someone's I know lying. You do. They do a great job. Um, a published paper from MIT, uh, Amy Finkelstein. Uh, she sounds smart. Yeah, she is. Uh, she found <laughs> the MIT man. She found that U.S. states with highway tolls would tend to increase that toll once they'd installed an automatic collection system such as EasyPass. The study suggests that states realize they could charge more because consumers don't feel the electronic transaction in the same way they would by parting with real money. Paying yeah. cash at the booth hurts more. It's a psychological thing. That's that really we've talked about. You and I have talked about doing a behavior, behavioral finance episode, yeah. and that that would be perfect to go yeah, right in there it's, it's true and anecdotally i know it's true for me too it always hurts more when i spend money with cash than when i than when i swipe a card well it's just like all the um you know the payroll stuff that comes out pre mm-hmm. right health insurance taxes 401k contributions um it doesn't hurt if you never see it and it just comes out automatically electronically but if you were paid in hundred dollar bills and then you had to settle up on your way out the door with the tax man and the health insurance guy and your four hundred one k, you'd have a harder time making those contributions. Yeah, I said you know. I, I've always said taxes would go down uh, because <laughs> yeah. we would vote vote for it if you had to just like you got your paycheck at the end of the week and then yep. you had to walk up to the tax. You guy. had to pull out your Michigan bankroll <laughs> yeah. and start paying up. Yeah, they're like, here's a thousand dollars now. Give two hundred dollars to this guy. And you're like, no, I don't want to. Yeah. I agree. I, I I am fully with you in that. Um, but but really, I'm, we're going way the opposite direction in society with even like digital currency and oh, things yeah. like that. We're going that direction where you just really don't think about how much something costs. It's about the convenience. Um, you know the the extra tips. That one really, I I guess the McDonald's one too. But I've heard that over and over. But an average almost four point three percent more in tips. Just by having that credit card logo on there. I mean, wait staff out there, I'm sure they appreciate that. Yeah, that's that. great. I mean, all these companies are like, yeah, let's accept credit cards because uh-huh. people will spend more. It's then, true. Then you look at these companies that still charge you the uh, the 2 or 3% charge for using the card in the first place. They just pass that through to you. Why not? It does, <laughs> yeah. It's not real money to you. Right. It's not. <laughs> it's plastic money. That's right. Um, yeah, that's, that's interesting, the psychology behind all of that. There's yeah. one more, so I know we went out of order here just a little bit. There's one more that I think is worth talking about, and that's the idea that credit cards help you keep track of spending. I've heard this a lot. I, we're in financial planning, uh-huh. and sometimes actually it is simpler yeah. when people use a credit card for everything. Uh, because they're they're all their transactions are tra- tracked by Citibank yeah. or uh, Chase or whatever. And checkbook balancing, I know that's a thing of the past. Is a lot easier when you're writing one check. Right? Yeah, it's one check. You've just you've got to you've got to pay one bill out. You know there it. there are people listening to this going, who writes a check? <laughs> <laughs> I know there are a lot of people that do this exact thing though, yeah. uh, and and they say it simplifies their life. The argument against it really is what we just said that you're probably spending a lot more than you normally yeah. would. So you might be you might be banking a lot more rewards points, but if you're putting everything on there and something goes wrong, 
right? Yeah. Like a furnace or something like that. Or, you know, then you're adding more on and then the chance of digging into a hole become much bigger yeah. if you're putting everything on the credit card. So full disclosure, when I worked in banking and I, you know, I could see all these benefits to having a credit card and I thought, okay, it's safer. I'm going to earn rewards points for money that I'm already spending. If I pay the balance off, I don't pay fees or anything like that. There's a way you can beat this, right? Yeah. So for a long time, I was putting everything on the credit card, making one transfer a month. And then we had a baby. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, the baby was a budget wrecker. And all these things started popping up. Well, we need this. We need this. We need this. It's for the baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's for the baby. And guess what? You Before you no. knew it, I had a credit card balance. And I was ashamed of myself, man. How dare and you. it hurt having to pay that stupid credit card balance off. And yeah. uh, I never want to go back to that again. But there is an example of using it for everyday spending because it's safe and I get rewards and it's easier to track. All right. Well, when something comes up and throws that system out of whack, that's when you owe the credit card company. Yeah. And that's, that's what they're counting on, really. That's, and it's, that's, that's going to happen. Money. That's it's why they make happen. money. That's why they are so profitable. And we are not. So, Jason, I don't do that anymore. Right. Good for uh, you. Because <laughs> when you pay interest and, and you're like me, that that hurts. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, you know, I have to learn things the hard way sometimes. You know, I would just say I've got a platform here. I would encourage people that are thinking along those lines. Don't make that mistake. You and I have both paid interest to credit card companies. Yes, sir. I would have loved to have the money that I paid to credit card companies in the form of interest to use for anything else at this point <laughs> in my life. Right. Learn from our mistakes. Learn from America's mistakes, right? These are things that most people have done because most people have a credit card and most people pay the credit card company's interest. So this is kind of fun. I'm going to kind of rapidly fire some stuff off here, some different stats. Good. I have some too. Let's do just you? Okay. Let's, you do your stats and so, I'll do mine. This is, well, this is fun stuff I, to know. Yeah. I, the interesting uh, facts about credit cards. I would say that America... Congratulations, you're getting a little bit better at handling credit cards because <laughs> I can remember a few years back when I did some research, the average household owed about $14,000 on credit cards. Wow, that's a lot. So there's been some helicopter money and some different things over the last couple <laughs> of years. Savings rates had skyrocketed. Sa yeah. Savings rates went way, way up because we got a bunch of money and weren't allowed to go out and do anything. So what did we do? Well, some people paid off credit cards. Yeah. So the average American credit card debt in 2021 is now $5,525. This is from an article on The Ascent, uh, fool.com. It's a Motley Fool service. Um, they have a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, interesting statistics. So I want to give credit where credit's due. $5,500. Guess what? Still way too much. So uh, the average rate, Jason, we're in a low interest rate environment, right? Yes. Lower than ever before. Still 25.2%. That's a lot. Yeah. How about this one? States with the highest credit card debt on okay. average. Uh, I don't know. Just throw one out there. What Ohio. Okay. We live in Ohio. Ohio's doing okay, actually. We're under the average. I was shocked by this because I just assumed there's nothing to do in Alaska. <laughs> Alaska takes the cake at an Binance average stuff. of, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> all those internet purchases, right? Uh, just over $7,000 on average. By the way, District of Columbia is uh, right behind that. Oh, yeah. So, the, and people in D.C. are famous for spending money they don't have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> talking about it right now. Right now they're talking about spending money they don't have. Your money. So what do you think the state with the lowest average credit card debt is? Uh, probably one of the oldest and richest. Florida. No. Idaho. Wisconsin, our brandy, oh. brandy drinking buddies in Wisconsin. <laughs> 
Good job, Wisconsin. Way to go, Wisconsin. So uh, there were some interesting studies, too, on different generations. Which generation do you think has the highest uh, average credit card debt? Baby boomers. You think baby boomers. Actually, so they're the second highest, but... Uh, Millennials. No. Really? Millennials are doing better. Gen X? It's Gen X, baby. Yeah, yeah they're not quite to where they've got everything paid off yet. Gen no. X, then the boomers, then the millennials, and then what is this new generation coming up? Z? Zenu, Zenial? Zen uh, I, Z? Theirs might be low because uh, they haven't had time to rack up balances well, yet. Well, 2008 and 9 made it so that they can't just get one for a t-shirt <laughs> like we could. Yeah. Like, so I remember those. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of credit cards. Hey, I like cards. that t-shirt. Yeah. Sign up for credit this card? credit card, you get All a right. bag of potato chips. Okay. <laughs> Gosh, that was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so overall credit card debt has come down over the last couple of years. There should be no surprise there with the uh, the money that's been sent out and direct payments to Americans. Um, but in 2019, credit card debt totaled $868 billion in the United States. Is that right? Holy smokes. That's the total debt. That's I mean, the total that's credit card debt. household has 5,000 something. That makes sense. That is a lot. In 2020, it came down to 817. 2021, it's 787 billion. Think about all the money that's just been printed. That still hasn't come down in proportion like it should have. But yeah, that some of the interesting statistics that I had from that, uh, that full report about credit cards. That's awesome. Check out some of these. These are from shiftprocessing.com. So they're analyzing credit card processing statistics. Mm -hmm. And then giving some... I got some quick facts. So check out shiftprocessing.com if you want to see these. They got cool charts, but here's a rundown. 1.06 billion credit cards are in use in the United States of America. Wait, wait, wait. Say that again. 1.06 billion credit cards are in use. And how many Americans do we have? 330 million, last I checked. Okay. 2.8 billion credit cards are in use worldwide. Master MasterCard is the most popular credit card. 551 million MasterCards in circulation. 70% of people have at least one credit card. And Americans are 40% likely to use a credit card on a purchase. That's almost half. Half of purchases are made with a credit card almost. 14% of Americans have at least 10 credit cards. Wow. 14%. That's like <clears throat> that's a lot of t-shirts. That's like 4 million Americans have 10 credit cards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 60% of Americans believe the U.S. will soon become a cashless society. Yeah, that, that's a whole podcast episode. Yep. Average credit cards per person in America, 2.7 credit cards per person. Wow. The, and this, this was average outstanding credit card debt in 2020 was $5,315. So really close to yours for this current year. Man, those are interesting stats. It seems like everybody everybody who eats at McDonald's also <laughs> has three credit cards. <laughs> you know, a couple other things that I, I wanted to point out here in the study that I looked at. You know, a lot of times we think about when when I, I asked you who do you think has the most, right? And you thought, well, okay, baby boomers. All right, they well, invented the credit. They invented using credit card debt. <laughs> the baby boomers did. So it might not be the people that you think. You usually think someone young, struggling, right, who's using that credit card as an emergency fund. So interestingly enough. There was a study on income versus credit card debt. Percentile, okay, for income. The higher you got in income, there was a higher chance that you had credit card debt up to like the 60 to 80th percentile for income, right? Now that started to trail off a little bit as you got into the mega rich, right? The yeah. super high incomes. But basically the, the the group that had the most credit card debt had a median annual income of over $95,000. Well, that makes sense to me. The super rich, like Jeff Bezos, is going to have somebody doing, like paying his credit card bill for him. Yeah. Right? 
but when you get up to like the uh, mass affluent that uh-huh. like you're making, you're doing real good. Yeah. You're just forgetting. You're using credit cards for convenience. And you know what? You're doing better than you've ever done. Mm-hmm. I can see why you're like, oh, it's uh, no it's big not deal. So bad. But you're probably paying a few extra thousand dollars a year uh, for that privilege because you're just not. You're busy. You probably if you're a Gen Xer, you got kids in college, you got kids in high school, you got kids well, getting married. Get this: not only uh, were those higher earners more likely to have credit card debt, but also higher balances. So, average credit card debt of about seven thousand dollars. I'm saying that it makes sense, it but it doesn't. It doesn't actually make sense. Like this is where you can actually take care of it. You don't need it probably anymore. Your income is good. Well, here's here's another one. What do you think about education level? A college educated, I'm going to guess with this, like at least four-year degree. Average credit card for college degrees. People with college degrees, almost $8,000. That's because they think they're smarter than they are. <laughs> like we, we talk about this all the time, the fallacy of like the more educated you are, the more likely you are to misinterpret data uh-huh. according to your biases already. I think that factors right into this. That makes sense to me. Um, a lot of people that don't have a college education that are like working middle class, blue collar, there's a lot more disparity, but I know a lot of them that just don't buy things they can't afford. And that's just more ingrained in them uh, than folks that are like, well, I have a finance degree or I figured out finance or I'm smart enough to figure this out. Yeah. I'm doing the smart thing. You and I have both fallen victim to that. So I think that's that's part of why I'm so against credit cards because yeah. I tried to outsmart the system and got beat and felt super stupid. Yep. And I got mad. And now I'm like, don't use a credit card. They're trying to screw you. Man, I couldn't beat the law of averages. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, we talked about a lot of uh, really interesting stuff today, Jason. If we had to boil it down into a couple of distillates or calls to action, what would you start with? Yeah, distilling this down uh, into the first thing, I would say, don't forget that credit card companies, banks, Uh are professional money makers. Yeah. They are the best at making money. <laughs> are, are you really beating them? And, and I want you to actually audit your, yourself. Yeah. Look at what you're doing. Be realistic. And see if you are beating them. I know some of you out there are. Awesome. Kudos to you. That's great. And if that's a risk you're willing to take continually to keep beating them because you like the game, keep at it, man. Don't lose. Because one small one small slip up will make the bank all their money. Yeah, the the margin of victory if you are beating the credit card company right now is so slim that one slip up that turns the table. Yeah. That'd be like if Michigan beat Ohio State this weekend. Oh wait, last weekend. Oh boy, I hope I'm not sticking my foot in my <laughs> oh, mouth. No, how did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Ohio State fans would really feel like, oh man, the, Michigan you're just saying- totally. <laughs> You're saying the exception that proves the rule, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, just really take a good look at it, y'all. If you if you think you're beating the system, really look at it. Are you? That's what I want you to do. I want you to check. And more likely, when you find out that you're not, because you're probably not, I think the next point would be stop. Stop it right now. <laughs> you're not going to play from behind and win. Yeah, right? Yeah, I would agree. I, once you've audited There's it, no fourth quarter comebacks here. You don't... Just... just <laughs> Take a look at it. Do you need to use those? Are they really making life better? Or are they added are they adding complication yeah. and stress? If it's about the need? convenience, I, I want to challenge you. Uh, you know, is the convenience worth the cost really? Because I think that there are areas of our life where we're okay to pay for, you know, we're we're happy to pay for the convenience that something provides. But 
the price on this one's pretty big for most households. Yeah, and I see it just adding a lot more stress than necessary. It's just a lot easier to just pay your bills. All right, Jason, credit cards. For it or again it? I'm again them. <laughs> I'm again them. <laughs> Caleb, we have some listener feedback. Awesome. <laughs> so it was something that came into the speakeasy uh, in October. was from, speak of the easy. From our loyal <laughs> listener and bourbon club member, Bernie George, uh, who sent from his iPhone this comment. Hi, Bernie. <laughs> he said, enjoyed the podcast so much today. This is from October 20th. While walking my son's dog, Blitz. It was over Blitz's head. But right down my alley, have some folks in mind that I'm going to recommend this specific podcast to. Thanks again. See you soon. That's awesome, Bernie. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Bernie. That's great. I, we really enjoy you listening and you providing feedback. If you all want to provide feedback, you can email us at speakeasy at oldfashionedfinance.com or leave a message on our Facebook page or leave us a review on iTunes or call us at... No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Using a rotary phone. Caleb's number is 555. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jason. Uh, I think that probably wraps it up. So thanks for having a drink with us this week. It's time to close out the tab. If you have a question or a topic you want addressed on the Old Fashioned Finance podcast, be sure to email us at speakeasy at oldfashionedfinance.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to share the show with someone you love or just someone who needs a little money muddling themselves. You can stay up to date with the latest action by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group, that's bluejfg.com, and produced by Pottery Studios. We've been your hosts, Jason and Caleb. Cheers! Cheers! Conk! Smash! Shatter! Blue Jay Financial Group, LLC, Blue Jay, is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Ohio. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The presence of this advertisement on this podcast shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to consumers in a particular state by Blue Jay in the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant to an applicable state exemption. All verbal and written content on this presentation is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are solely those of Blue Jay, unless otherwise specifically cited. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representations are made by our firm as to other parties' informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. What? <laughs> Listeners, you can't see this, but <laughs> but Caleb's cocktail toothpick just jumped out tried to poke of me his in the drink eye. and got stuck in his beard. <laughs> Might be some time for uh, for for some grooming here. I don't know. I, that totally made me lose my train of thought. I'm sorry. I was talking about maturing in your in your taste appreciation <laughs> of things, and then you just like got the grown up equivalent of a Kool Aid mustache <laughs> with a cocktail toothpick <laughs> in your in your beard. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. That's why someone edits these episodes. <laughs> I should stay in probably. Okay. Um.